You're listening to a teaching from Sundown Church. We hope you encounter God through our podcast and experience freedom in your life. What we talked about last week, what we've started talking about, and this was something that we knew was coming. As far as this lesson, we've been talking about prayer and all different aspects of prayer, but what specifically, uh, or one topic specifically within prayer, we knew we were going to get to, and that was fasting. And it is not something that's taught. It's not something that's talked about in the church today. Um, And I have, we'll get into why that is. But anyways, just the question, what we started off with last week of what is fasting, and and recognizing that it's a few things, but the first thing is that fasting is personal. It is not meant to be something that we put on display as Jesus teaches. Jesus talks about this in Matthew 6. And the other thing that he talks about in relation to fasting and not putting it on display is prayer. Prayer is not meant to be something that glorifies you. And fasting is not meant to be something that glorifies you. And it's interesting that he adds those warnings into it. And it's important that he adds those warnings into it, and it's for us to pay attention. And it also adds to, um, it just brings some clarity and some light as to why fasting and prayer are always intertwined. They're a part of each other. They're meant for each other. Uh, The other thing that fasting is, it is a place where knowledge becomes wisdom. It It is a proving ground for us individually in our walk with the Lord. And again, just as Jesus puts on display in Matthew 4 when he enters the wilderness. Fasting, he had just been baptized, he had just received the Holy Spirit, and now he's entered the wilderness fasting for 40 days and 40 nights, and he's being tested by the enemy. Everything that he knows is becoming wisdom. Knowledge becoming wisdom, how that happens is simply the application of that knowledge. That's when it becomes wisdom. I, I can know how a hammer theoretically works. I can know the the, the knowledge about what it's, why it's created, why it's shaped the way it is, what each side of the hammer is for, and what it's meant for, the tool, what it's supposed to be used for. And that's knowledge. But you put it in my hand, it's a lot different to know that you're supposed to hammer a nail in, we all know this, and then actually hammering one in yourself. <coughs> it's very different. Knowledge becoming wisdom. It's the application of the knowledge. Um, and we see that in Matthew 4. As, as Jesus is fasting, this is a place where his knowledge that he's, he's studied and, and learned and walked in for 30 years to this point is now becoming wisdom because he's putting it into application. It's this preparing and this proving ground for him. And then fasting is also the denial of what the flesh needs to only and solely support the Spirit. The recognition that my hope is built on nothing less but Jesus. Fasting is not fasting from your phone, from sodas, from uh, social media. That is not fasting. That is, rem- that is taking a break from something you're addicted to. I can't fast from soda. If you need to fast from soda, you just need to stop drinking soda because you have an addiction. That's not what it is. And soda is not necessary for life. Water, food. These are necessities for our body, and it is the denial of those things to recognize that I do not need them. I need Him. And in those moments, denying the flesh to satisfy the soul. Uh, The recognition that He is all we need, and then embracing that uh, readily. And then fasting is also meant to be 
a close partner, like I said earlier, it is a close partner to prayer. Fasting being tied to relationship just like prayer. Prayer and relationship are intertwined and so is fasting and prayer and relationship. They are all intertwined. They are cohesive with one one another. Fasting, as it pertains to relationship, it allows us to enter the deep places of the Father's heart. Um, The places that take time and focus to get to. Not something that we just get to because we attend church uh, once or twice a week. That's not what it is. It is a deep reflective place. And again, it is the denial of self to pursue the presence of God and pursue His heart and pursue His desires. Um, The places that take time and focus to get to. And fasting is a necessary um, key in this process. And looking at scriptures like Romans 12, 1 through 2, 1 Peter 2, 9, 2 Corinthians 5, 16 through 21. These are all identity scriptures. These are all pertaining to who we are, not being conformed to the flesh, recognizing that we are a royal nation, a holy priesthood, that we are God making his appeal through us, ministers of the ministry of reconciliation that speak of our place in heaven and of the power that we carry, and taking these into consideration, then asking this question. How can we be these people that these scriptures articulate and talk about and step into the fullness of these titles if we are not in deep counsel with the Lord and the one who gives us those titles? I can't hope to understand the fullness of who I am if I am not willing to listen to the one that gave me the name. I have to be willing to listen to the one that gave me the name that would encourage me and can spend the time to teach me things. I have to, as a father, I have to take time to engage with my children if I want them to learn anything. We started teaching the boys how to shoot. And teaching a seven-year-old and a four-year-old how to shoot, look down a sight, line it up, is a process that takes a lot of time and a lot of patience. Not a lot of shooting going on, just a lot of instruction and adjusting and reiterating the thing I've said for a thousand times already, but saying it again, it's a process. But that process does not happen if I am not subjecting them to my presence and my wisdom and my knowledge and my understanding, bringing revelation to them about a new thing that they've seen, but they don't understand themselves, allowing them the opportunity to put practice to something I'm trying to show them. That only comes with deep connection and deep time, intentional time spent together. That does not happen when we simply engage in a routine meeting once or twice a week. We have to take the step for deep interaction, deep uh, connection. Fasting and prayer, it places us at the feet of the Father to receive His counsel, His guidance, and His wisdom. And in this place again, He has the opportunity to explain mysteries, to bring about revelation, and to encourage us. And it also roots us deeper into His presence and into His heart. And so last week, where we left it was recognizing that this is not something that we can just learn about. Fasting requires action. You can know all you want about fasting, but you are not any closer to the Lord because you know about fasting. You must apply it in your own story. And my encouragement to everyone was to between uh, last Wednesday and now, just do a half-day fast. Pick a, pick a day, whatever day, do a half-day fast. I decided to do this um, today. Um, and some of the things that we're going to talk about is the 
the battle of inconvenience. I did it today because I wanted fresh testimony. I wanted to remember everything freshly. So I decided I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do it this Wednesday. And I did it, this, I did it today. Uh, my wife doesn't know I did it today. I didn't talk to anybody about it. I didn't let everybody know. I didn't post it on Facebook that, hey, I'm fasting today. Um, but recognizing the battle that was waiting for me when I opened my eyes this morning of inconvenience, and then the quickness of revelation. And I'm going to start with talking about that. The connection to the deep places of my own heart for me was absolutely astounding. It was astounding. It, I, I was not, I guess I'd been up for maybe two hours. And it wasn't, I wasn't hungry. I wasn't really thirsty. Just kind of starting my day, getting in the flow of things. I had to run to Lubbock and uh, I really enjoy, I, I planned this Lubbock trip for today because I was by myself. I was in my truck for a long period of time. All I had to do was run into stores, grab some things. I didn't have to talk to anybody. I could just check into it and then come home and spent several hours just there and then came up here and spent several hours just up here by myself. And it was the reason I chose today. But immediately what began to happen was this connection to deep places of my own heart coming face to face with these desires in the purest and simplest form. Desires that first existed in his heart, but I was now discovering anew in my own. And these are things that have existed for long periods of time, but unfortunately what happens is we begin to when we process these things that the Lord plants in our heart, we begin to start adding things to them as far as the difficulty in, in seeing it come to fruition. And we begin to stress about the steps of what we're going to have to do to make it happen, that we lose the beauty of just believing and receiving and praying the original desire that the Lord had planted in our heart. And I came face to face with that, and I can tell you right now, I was not ready to come face to face with that because it just totally... It was so beautiful, but I just began to weep as the Lord brought these desires back to my, my mind and my, uh, at the forefront of my mind and see these things and discovering and reconnecting to the original word that he spoke, the very original thing, and removing all of, okay, this is what we can do to see this happen. This is what we can do to make this happen. This, well, what about this? Well, what the people are doing this right now, so how will this ever be? all just wiped away in this place of fasting because you're before the feet of the Father in turmoil and stress and striving and uh, planning. Those are not things that you do at the feet of the Father. You don't worry about those things at the feet of the Father. You can just see what He wants to do and you can just simply say yes and amen to Him. And there's something so beautiful about sitting before, sitting in front and, and with, your, with your Lord and Savior and just saying yes and amen to the things that He's telling you. It's a beautiful and it's a simple place. And uh, just being linked to Him in a deeper and simpler way. It was, the fast for me was, was a resetting. An adjusting of, it's like going into the eye doctor and recognizing I wasn't seeing as good as I should be. Because they start putting you through those lenses, one or two, three or four. And you're picking it out and you're recognizing, maybe, I, maybe my vision is not as good as it used to be. And it was one of those that I felt like my vision was being adjusted. My vision was being adjusted. And it was also a time for me that uh, Randy spoke this when Rhea and Amanda came. 
um, it was something that the Lord prophesied over him during that time. It says, not their faces. Look at mine. And it was a readjusting of that. Don't look at the results of things. Just look at me. You don't need to worry about that. The results are his to do. And they're his to worry about. It is not, none of that is on us. If we are obedient, he is responsible for growth, right? That is not my job, is to make a plant grow. That is his job. I am, my job is what he calls us to do, is to be willing to plant the seed. His responsibility is everything that comes after. And we can nurture, we can disciple, we can be a helpful part of growth. But at the end of the day, he causes growth. At the end of the day, the sun causes that grass to grow, not us. Not my fertilizer. If that sun never shone, it wouldn't matter how much fertilizer you put on it. It's not getting any light. If it was nighttime forever, that grass wouldn't grow. It's just not going to happen because it needs the light. And he is that light, and I am not. And I don't, just as I can't control that sun rising and setting, I can't control his shining in a life or not shining. It's his to do. And so it was an opportunity for me to allow those things to be washed away, the complexities of our circumstances and the complexities around trying to figure out how to see these desires come to life. And it's a good thing because we want what the Lord wants, but we start taking over as like a general contractor and I'm going to make it happen now. And it's a, it comes from an honest and beautiful place. It really does. And it's not, it's not something that the Lord is disappointed in us and because we're eager. But it's when urgency takes over and we stop listening that it becomes detrimental. And it's mainly detrimental to us. Not really the world around. The world just sees us running around in circles and is wondering why the heck we're running so much. But we're, we're trying to do everything and establish the kingdom in and of ourselves, and it's just not possible. And it's not ours to do. And so that urgency is beautiful, but he wants to direct it. And that's where we get into trouble because we begin to direct it ourselves, is where we think it needs to go. And it's this understanding and this recognition again of coming to it is time is not mine. I do not own my days. This time is not my own. It is his. And it's his to do with what he wants to do with. And so if he asks me to do this on this day, I don't need to understand why it looks like this. Or maybe he asked me to do nothing. But already what he's spoken, just be kind. Okay, that's it. It's my only assignment. I don't need to worry about tomorrow. Tomorrow has enough worries and will worry for itself. And it's a, it's a refreshing time. Those things were just able to be washed away when it becomes just you and him. It was so beautiful and it adds such potency to our prayer, to our prayer life. Not praying into the complexity, right? Because if I'm getting distracted by what people aren't doing in accordance with what the Lord spoke, Right? If the Lord spoke this, but I see a community that doesn't look like this yet, I begin to pray into that instead of praying into the vision of what He spoke. It's the same with, with any kid or any, any adult. In my experience, every person will rise to who you believe them to be. And if you are unwilling to waver from that place... And speak to them, even if you're just having normal conversations, but you're speaking to that person based on what the Lord has revealed, not what society has defined them as. They will begin to rise to who the Lord has created them to be and not the other. Because they are made for that. 
They're not made for the world's definition. They're made for His. And when you only subscribe to the world's definition, they begin to rise to those things. And so for a community, if I'm praying into the complexity of a situation, the complexity that I've created and that I've evaluated that the Lord has not revealed, but I've revealed to myself, what am I doing but praying stress into stress? I'm praying turmoil into existence. I'm praying strife and worry and fear and doubt. I'm operating from that place and then praying to God. And what did we learn in James this Sunday? That man that prays with a doubting mind cannot ever hope or suppose to receive anything from the Lord. If you pray with a doubting mind, that man cannot hope to receive anything from God. But that's where we pray when we allow our complexities to define what the Lord has spoken. And it was a sweet and beautiful time for that praying uh, to be, that complexity to be wiped away and to just pray simply for what He has revealed. And as we talked about Sunday, to pray and then lift my eyes and move forward as it has been answered. Because when the children of God speak the things into existence and pray for the things that the Lord has planted in our hearts, we know He is faithful to release those things, so I don't need to worry about it anymore. Praying big prayers. I was praying a lot of big prayers. Simple, but massive. Massive. But prayed, lift my eyes, and move forward. I don't have to worry about now what to do. Now how do I make those prayers come to be? That's not it. I've done my part. And now I just continue to move forward and do as He reveals. Just simply praying what has been re- revealed with new depth of understanding and fresh clarity. Uh, revived endurance. It, it's been so good. But what I want to talk about now is this placing of fasting into this folder of inconvenience. And that's where, that's where my day started. And I'm just grateful that the Lord gave me the discipline to know no, I said, to, I told him I would do this today. And I, I, I mean, I argued all morning as I was getting ready. Like, ah, do I really need to do this? I'm going to Chick-fil-A in the morning, or I'm going to Lubbock in the morning and Chick-fil-A's breakfast is really good. And I'll be right next to it. And it's just like, are you really going to, are you not a man of your word to the Lord? Because if you're not a man of, the, of your word to the Lord, you're not a man of your word, period. Because it starts there. And it's like, nope, I'm a man of my word. I'm going to do it. And I believe strongly that even though my children don't know what fasting is, they don't know that I'm doing it. They had no idea. I believe that the choice to do what I've told the Lord I would do, even though they don't know it, it is instilling in them to be men of their word. I believe that spiritually that the Lord is establishing that in them, even though they don't know what's going on. But anyways, we place it. We place fasting. The church has placed fasting in this folder of inconvenience. And without purpose, it's pointless. All it does is make you uncomfortable. And now I, I can believe that, if you also subscribe to the Lord stopped speaking at the end of Acts, he stopped doing miracles, he showed us and said all that he needed to say. So then in that camp, if that's where you live, absolutely there is no point for fasting. But if you don't live there and you operate in the Spirit, you cannot de- deny the importance of fasting. If that is, again, if Jesus is perfect theology and it was the very first thing he did after receiving the Holy Spirit, and he did it for 40 days and 40 nights, 
is probably pretty important. We can't just we can't say that Jesus is perfect theology and pick and choose the parts of the gospel that we want to believe in. We can't be those people. Unfortunately, the church has been those people for a long time in the Western civilization. But this placing fasting in this folder of inconvenience almost caused me to miss out on everything I've just articulated to you that only happened. I woke up at 6 and I stopped because it was just a half day. I stopped at 12.30. So in six and a half hours, and really not even six and a half hours because the first part of it was me just bickering with, with the Lord about, do I really have to do this? This is going to be no fun. And uh, so about five hours of inten- intentionality, all of that happened in that short period of time. I can waste five hours like that. No problem at all. And for all of that to just, to just come, because not because I was starving, not because I was I was lamenting and covered in ash and wearing sackcloth. None of that. But simply because I was willing to be, to, and I desired to go into the deeper places, the Lord brought revelation like that. It took no time. A willing heart. He can do a lot with a willing heart. And He doesn't require much. He just requires a yes. And that's what I saw. And it was amazing. And I almost missed it. This morning, I've almost talked myself out of it this morning, and I began to ask why I believe this to be inconvenient. We talked about it on Sunday with impossible and possible. Who told you that things were impossible? When did we begin to subscribe to things being impossible? Because it affects our prayer because we doubt. Because I've never seen that. It must be impossible. Says who? Says the world. But we're in the world, we're not of it. So why are they defining to us what is possible for us? If we believe that we serve a God that only knows the word possible and doesn't know impossible, that only knows that, the only impossible thing was him giving up on his kids. That was impossible. It would never happen. We've seen that time and time again. His grace and his mercy that's found me in impossible places where it should not. It's found me. So we only know a, a God of possibility. A God that brings heavenly solutions to worldly problems. A solution outside of this realm into this realm that is supernatural and, and cannot be described. That is the God that we serve that spoke all of life into existence with a simple breath. And that life has ceased. It has not ceased to continue to live and grow and make new. It has not ever stopped. Animals still breed. Trees still grow grass still rises and falls. Flowers are dressed and then they're stripped of their dressing in the winter and then they put on a new one in the spring. Life has never ceased since the day the Lord spoke it. That's the God I serve. So who taught us the word impossible? And it's the same with this. Who told you that that was inconvenient? What is inconvenient and who is defining that for you? Because what I found today, why I believe it to be inconvenient, is because in this culture, fasting, it removes me from the thing we worship most in the world, and that is comfort. Everything comes down to comfort of life, ease of life. 
Why, why, do people, why would people create a lesser product to get more money? Personal comfort. I can do this, I can do this, I can do this. Every, you see these movies all the time articulated. You see them. Uh, they, people that have everything. It's just not enough. They want more. More comfort, more security, more things that you can't take with you when you go. But whose comfort? Again, who taught you inconvenience and who told you what was comfortable? Who put that on display? The Lord wants to redefine these things for us of what comfort is. That doesn't mean He, does, he wants us to live in boxes in an alley. That doesn't mean those things. He wants good things for His children, a nice bed and a beautiful home, a successful career, being able to provide for your family. These are good things. We're in the world. We're not of it, but we are in it. And therefore, we are not to be, our life is not to be dictated by the things that dictate the world. And the things that dictate the world is comfort. It is a, is a piece of paper. Things of that nature. It removed me. Fasting removed me from the comfort of the world. But it leads me to his embrace. It led me to the comfort of his presence. Second Corinthians 1 Uh, Verse 3, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies, the God of all comfort, who comforts us in all afflictions so that we may be able to comfort those who are in any affliction with the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by God. Matthew 11, 28. Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. This is the comfort that he offers. He literally says, we read it in 2 Corinthians, that he is a God of comfort. He will comfort, he will be the first to bring comfort to us. So, why do we associate him with things that are uncomfortable? Who created comfort? The concept of comfort. Who created it? He did. He's the God of it. But we have allowed the world to define what that is. And so the things of God look uncomfortable. But we know that the things of God are always, 99% of the time, absolutely opposite of the world. John the Baptist lived off locusts and honey in the wilderness and was a wild man. It was a joyful man. He was preparing the way. I don't think you found any uh, complaining. Now, there were maybe moments, sure. But I doubt he lived a life full of complaints because of what the Lord had told him to do. His comfort was being described. It was being defined by God and not the world around him. The things of God and not the world around him. This is the comfort that he offers, and it's the comfort of the world is simply preservation and elevation of self. The comfort of the world is, is self-preservation because that's, it's born in the flesh. What is the body's main objective? Keeping itself alive. Self-preservation. That's why we see people that can absolutely put down anybody if it will elevate them because it puts them in a better place. 
in their mind, in a better place. Self-preservation and elevation of self. We live in a world that desires more initials after the name. Uh, for you to own 40 businesses and own 10,000, for you to be the, the master of a, a cattle on a thousand hills. <clears throat> Excuse me. We live in a society that worships self-preservation and elevation of self, even at the expense of others. But in 1 John chapter 2, verse 15, Do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the desires of the flesh and the desires of the eyes and pride of life, is not from the Father, but is from the world. And the world is passing away along with its desires, but whoever does the will of God abides forever. We are not made for this. We are not made to put down somebody else for the elevation of myself. Uh, We are not made to be comforted by the world, but by Him alone. And fasting allows that opportunity, allows that resetting. It's been a beautiful experience for me. And the Lord's been preparing me for this day for several, several weeks now. I'm recognizing today, I realize all the little lessons, all the little conversations that we've had over the last few weeks were, were building upon the things that He wanted to bring me today. But if we hadn't had those conversations before, I would have missed the things today. And so we had to have those conversations. And one of those conversations for me, because I... I'm a man, I'm a typical male, and I want to provide for my family. But I also, when I see a, I, when I see a friend that, uh, you know, I, my buddy Troy, Danny and I helped, helped him a bunch. I've been over there every day for two weeks uh, working on his house. His best friend, so of course I'll do it. But at the same time, I wished, because we're only doing it because I saw those tickets, and he's like, I can't afford these things. Um, and so we do it ourselves. And I just wish that I'll take it. I'll pay for it. No big deal. Absolutely. I'll do it. Just like that in a second. Um, I would love that. But the Lord hasn't given me that gift. And he, he just simply asked me, if you never have more than you need to get by, will that be enough? And I had to really come to terms with that because I want to own I want to own multiple businesses. I want to have so much going on that people look. It was a prideful thing. It's something I've grown up with that I've, the Lord has dealt with me in that. But growing up, I wanted to be the guy that people look at me and think, how do you do it? It's just so much pride. The Lord, I know for a reason, the reason I watched my wife pray for the gift to sing and I saw the Lord give it to her. I was in bed next to her when that flame came from heaven and and poured into her chest and she was able to sing that night. One of the most miraculous sounding things I've ever witnessed. And I remember asking the Lord, well, why can't I have that? And he just began to play in my head me leading worship. You know what happened immediately? I started thinking about myself being elevated and people looking and be like, man, look at Parker. Wow, it's amazing. Look at him. Because the things the Lord does in you, and this is a sermon coming up, uh, not sure when, but it's coming up, but the things that the Lord does through you, man will always give you credit for. And a lot of times, the Lord doesn't use us for certain things because the credit we would receive, we would, we would handle in a bad way. 
It would add to pride. And he protects us from that fight. And that's the reason you'll never see me center stage with a guitar singing. You always see me in the background. Because that's the place that I don't seek my own glory. But here I would. And it's not but 10 feet away. And the Lord knows these things. Because it is the comfort of the world to elevate ourselves. And we are simply, we are not made for it to be comforted by that. We are made to be comforted by Him and by Him alone. And fasting is one of those, it is one of those places that allows us to be reset. And to understand that if all I ever have is all I ever need, that's more than enough. More than enough. I already have more than enough. I have more than I ever thought or dreamed I would have as of right now. And if that's just me getting by, I'm good with that. The blessings of that. If this is the Lord's standard of just giving you what you need to get by, I'll take it. I'll take it. I don't need any extra because what he's given me to just get by is more than I could have ever ever fathomed. And he also, coming at the end of a miserable project, he's also, he desires relationships. He, He desires obedience over sacrifice. What does that say? He desires relationship. He desires fellowship. So why would he rob me of an opportunity for fellowship with those that need him? Why would he rob me the opportunity of bringing the Spirit into a home before a baby comes that she would enter a house full of the Spirit? Why would he rob that opportunity away from me to make it a little bit more comfortable for somebody else or for myself? Like, no, that's not what I want to do. I want to establish my kingdom. And that is not always the answer. The answer, more often than not, is just getting your hands dirty and putting your hands in the dirt with Him and walking with Jesus through the field and picking the harvest yourself as He asks us to to co-labor. He doesn't say co-finance. He says co-labor. And sometimes that literally means labor, right? The kindness project is that it was the laboring for this community, the laboring of kindness. It was not the ease of kindness. It was not ever easy. It was always fun. It was always a blessing. But the Lord didn't want to rob us of that. And that was comfort for him. It was not the comfort of the world. Because the comfort of the world would me be writing a check and sitting at home doing whatever I want while somebody else does all the work. It's comfort. Now, there are opportunities for that, and the Lord will say, here's the need. You have the ability to meet it. Go for it. We've seen that done with Mexico. We've seen that done with Africa. The Lord didn't just say, get a group together, go build a church in Africa. He said, no, I'm going to provide the funds for this church to pay for somebody to do that in Africa. He did it. He's done it with Mexico over and over and over and over and over and over and over. We've seen it a thousand times. We'll see it a thousand more. But the comfort of the world is not the comfort of God. And for a half day, I was only in the comfort of God. And it was much sweeter. It's much better. It was because I am made for that place. I'm not made for the other. And that was all in one half day of fasting. All of this came in one half day of fasting. I didn't write anything down till this afternoon because I didn't want to. I didn't want to try to teach anything. I wanted to speak of experience. I wanted to talk about what the Lord was doing. 
and what he had physically done in me. And so this is the testimony of today of what the Lord has brought. And I have in my phone, I have a, a notes page, words from the Lord. And I have notes, I have years of notes in this, um, of revelation from the Lord. And today, I, I probably typed a thousand words of revelation from the Lord. Just, and these will all be sermons. But there's, there's two of them in particular, like, Lord, you, you got a lot of teaching to do, because that, that's intense, and I don't even, I don't know how to chew it. You're going to have to cut it up into smaller pieces so that I can chew on this. It just profound, beautiful, amazing things. All because I was willing to deny my flesh for a couple of hours. I'm telling you the prize of this. And now it has to become a routine, right? That's the thing. It, it has to become consistent. Otherwise, it will get shuffled back immediately into the folder of inconvenience. But it's not. It is convenient because it is what we were made for. Jesus wouldn't have talked about it if it wasn't important. And we talk about all the things that Jesus teaches, except this one. Why? It, it allows you into the throne room of God, and He locks the keys and keeps you there a while. You can't get out. And it is amazing. Why would we not deny ourselves for a little while to just be fed by what is truly meant to feed us, and that is the presence of God? And that is what I've concluded. That is my testimony of, of my fasting that will become a regular part of my day because what He's shown me so far is just too important. Why would I ever stop? Why would I not do this consistently? And that is my encouragement to you, uh, you two here, and then everyone that will listen to this online is, why wouldn't you do it? Because if inconvenience and a little bit of discomfort is the reason, that is a terrible reason to not. Because the Lord has great things for you. And we have, I know we have people, uh, I've talked to people that are like, well, you know, my doctor says I had to do this and that and that. It's like the Lord knows all those things too. He knows every one of them. And He's not faithful enough to provide that because you just want to be with Him deep, deeply. Oh, he'll meet those needs too. He'll meet those needs too. So that is my encouragement to begin to add that to a regular part of your day, or of, of, your, of your weeks, of your months, of your years, that your time with the Lord would have a regular aspect of fasting within it because it will deepen your relationship. I'm telling you right now, as someone who has done it and stands before you coming out of it, it was astounding to me. I, I couldn't, I could not believe how quickly and how much came. It was almost like the Lord was just waiting for me to fast because he had so much stored up in heaven, just waiting for this opportunity of uninterrupted time. And it was amazing. Oh, it was amazing. It was amazing. And I'm, I just feel kinder. <laughs> I just Kindness is easy. It's flowing. I don't have to work at it. It's just coming. It's just flowing. And it's been amazing. And I can feel the physical presence of God in me and around me and pouring out of me, it's why would we not? And that is my encouragement to you all uh, to do it. It is, it is going to become a very important part of this house, is fasting, just as prayer is becoming important. Um, 
And it's always been important, but we're understanding it in a deeper way, and that is adding a great importance to it. But fasting will be as well. Um, to see the great things of God, it must cost us something. And if a few meals is all it costs, that's an easy price to pay for deep understanding and revelation and marching orders. Because now I know what I need to do. It was astounding. It was transformative. It was revelation for my family. My family's going through stuff. My, you know, all the grandparents are out of the picture. I've got one grandmother left, and she's in a nursing home. And so both my parents are dealing with the fighting of siblings over stuff. Over stuff. And we do it like that. It's a common tale. Families end when the head of those families decease, are gone. It's like that was the only thing keeping them together. And we forget the years and years and years of history that we have with each other. And I was allowing that to frustrate me in a lot of ways. And look at these people and not want anything to do with them as well. It's like you're adding to the division. I've not put you here and I've not anointed you in in this life to add to things that are against me. And the Lord brought revelation to those things. I was able to speak to my mom and think about it. And I know the Lord gave me revelation. I want to have a conversation with my siblings that we would just have, we would have this understood now. When our parents are far, far from that. That we could have this understanding now. That all of this stuff, when they are gone, it's still here. That must mean it's not that important. Because they weren't able to take it. And so if it's not that important... If it doesn't have the importance to where it can be taken with them, why are we going to fight with it now? Because it's going to end up going into our houses, and guess what? Our kids will have to clean it out. Because we won't take it either. It's just stuff. It's not them. And so we'll have that conversation, but the Lord just brought all that today. Just as, as fast as I had to pull over on 1585 and write, because I was just worried I was going to forget, because it was just so much. And it didn't feel like I could ask him to slow down, raise my hands, or ask him to repeat himself. It's like, you get it now while I'm speaking. So it was amazing. Do it fast. It, it is transformative. It is beautiful. It is fun. A um, little uncomfortable, but the discomfort uh, is a word of the world. It's, it's not from the Father. There's comfort in it for us. Uh, my, my flesh, I didn't even really notice how hungry I was. Because the Lord was just feeding the Spirit. It was beautiful. Thanks for listening to this message. For more resources, visit sundownchurch.com.